proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz. I am the host of this lovely show. And joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend, Mr. Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how are you doing? Dude, I got me some Degrassi, the next generation on the TV, on mute while we're watching here. So, like, it's pretty <laughs> good. No, I'm just playing. Uh, I am watching. I am watching. That show is playing in the background, but that does not have anything to do with my mood. Uh, I am pretty, pretty, pretty happy in life right now, as uh, some of you may uh, know. Oh, my day has been pretty cool. Um uh, yeah, yeah. I was I was on TV last night, so uh, got but called stupid. It got called stupid, but no, uh, it was probably the best experience I've ever had being called stupid. Uh, but no, just in general, uh, a couple days before Christmas, dog is happy, uh, which is it was me and my wife's Christmas present to each other was our dog, and dog is happy, wife's happy, so that makes me means I'm happy. We'll get to the wrestling stuff in a minute. But uh yeah, just in life in general, life is good. Uh yeah. Um I really don't have any complaints other than Florida State getting screwed, but you know what? It's yeah. one of those uh, one of those things. There's really nothing to talk about anymore. It's it happened. Yeah. And unfortunately unfortunately even what's making it better, worse, whichever one you're saying, Florida State's like trying to leave the ACC, and I know this is not a football podcast, so next m- minute at most is I'll go into this. They're trying to fix the uh, leave ACC, and I'm like, so you're trying to fix a problem that'll never happen again. Yeah. It's like, you're the last team to get screwed. Get over it kind of thing. And it's like, I love my team. There's always a, and, and again, it's right before the playoff gets expanded, so it's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's really like it was, just, it was just a bad timing. Yeah, like anything you do, it's just like I mean, yeah, the ACC team is getting in next year. The Big Twelve team is getting in. If you win your conference, you're probably getting in the twelve next year. It's just that simple. Now you might get screwed on buys and all that stuff, but whatever. Sure, but that's whatever. <laughs> that's whatever. Again, I know this is not a football podcast. We we probably should have one at some point. So I am eventually. Going to stop I think to, we will. I am going to stop talking about that now. <laughs> Yep. I've been good. Um very happy that we're nearly here to Christmas. Um and yeah, Tom Gores, owner of the Detroit Pistons, sell the fucking team. That's all I have to say in regards to any other sports. Sell the fucking team. Yes, couple days. Piece of shit. Uh I happy. Let's let's go happy. Thank you happy. to Austin and Sydney for my Christmas yes. gift. I got a beautiful uh Florida State ACC championship shirt. Uh, I am very happy. I have that. I'll be wearing it. I was going to do a little video and show, hey, I'm really happy I got it. But yeah, my wife cleaned. And unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, my brain does not work well in a clean house because it's we, hard. We had, to, we had to definitely step it up, especially since you managed to somehow get me the uh, punk Walmart AEW figure that I have been searching high and low for. Yes. Uh, but and was it's not able to. It's funny. It's just like, so I get yours. I get yours. uh, I get yours. uh, Shout out to my boy, Caleb. He got yours for me. And then, uh, and then Tyler got me one, right? Uh, Tyler got me one. And then like, so three days ago, I go into my store, whole rack of them. 
You can get 20 of them. Of course. Of You're course. You're like, no problem. And then my uh, this guy on this group, I mean, this AEW wrestling group, so this is appropriate to what we're talking about. Yeah. I was like, hey, I can't find the Kenny Omega one. I'm like, dude, I'm going. I'm just going to go in the morning and pick up like five because they just got a rack of those. And I'm just like, he's like, they're, they're nowhere to be found. I'm like, okay. Well, let me go grab five, and then I'm just going to sell them to the people in my group. I'm just going to sell them for what I pay for it so they can have it. But it was just weird because I don't even, like, I don't even want the Kenny Omega Supreme. But I was like, yeah, it just, I happen to work at the store where no one cares about it. There you go. Yeah. Your, yeah. Not work at the store. I happen to live by the store that no one cares about it. Now I'm going to go in tomorrow and they're going to all be gone. So that's why of I didn't course. even promise Now him. that everyone knows about no, it. No, no, no. I literally didn't say anything for that reason. Because I was going to message them and be like, do you want me to pick you up one? But I was like, well, it's two days before Christmas. So, you know, you got a lot of last minute choppers. I might go there tomorrow and they're not there anymore. And I didn't want to be like, right. yeah, and be like, oh, you fucking liar. So I just say that I'm just going to wait until I have them in hand and then say something. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So we're, we're very excited for the holiday. Like I said, it's and we got a big week of AEW as we are inching closer to world's end and the finals of the Continental Classic. Uh, so we're going to get into everything here. On all things elite, but before we get into everything, I want to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts, and you can listen to us on Spotify or wherever you choose to listen to us. Please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish, and subscribe so you never miss another episode. And also leave ratings and reviews helps us out a ton. And also be sure if you're inclined, you can follow us on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter, at Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Be sure to check out all the other shows they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And the big news of the week, actually a big shocker for all of us, is the fact that um, uh, Kenny Omega is officially out indefinitely because he uh, tweeted out basically. I'm actually going to pull up his official tweet too because uh, his was the one that hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, Jesus Christ, man. Uh, Kenny Omega tweeted out, uh, making sure I know when he tweeted this out, but he tweeted this out on December 15th. He tweeted, I can't really sugarcoat this. I'm out indefinitely. I tried to keep pushing past the pain as lo- for as long as I could until it became too much. Luckily, doctors caught me when they did. I'll be here. So in the meantime, please enjoy wrestling. And it was confirmed that he suffered with, he was diagnosed with diverticulitis. And according to Wrestling Observer, uh, the fact that he was caught with it was he was very lucky because if the situation could have been catastrophic because he could have gotten a blood infection if he wasn't diagnosed at the time he was. And it's like there's that has a chance of like 50 percent of death. So they caught it. Best time Kenny is in the hospital and he's healing up. Uh, he gave a big thumbs up on social media. Uh, so he is out indefinitely. Um, first of all. Get well soon to Kenny Omega. We absolutely hate to see that for him. And Chris Jericho cut a nice little uh, promo in regards to Kenny and hoping he gets better. And, I mean, like, talk about a guy that's done so much for AEW and is just spectacular. Um, Yeah, we hope he's able to get healthy as soon as possible. Very scary situation. But, yeah, no. It it was a shock, though, when you saw that tweet of him just in in the hospital room like that. It's very... Very, very scary. Dude, so let me tell you. 
there are a lot of people out there that owe Kenny Omega apology. Yes. Because uh, he was a part of that segment with Chris Jericho. He looks phone in. Kenny Omega doesn't care. Kenny Omega this. Kenny Omega that. Uh, I can't wait for Kenny Omega to get out of this because he obviously hates it. Yes, that man was in terrible, considerable amounts he of pain. Was, yes. He probably should have been in a hospital at that moment, but he did not want to disappoint his fans. He wanted to show up to work, and he did. And then he did, and, you know, then, you know, they, they got him to the hospital, and that happened, and it's just like, Again, it, it's like I'm never going to tell people not to rush to the judgment and all that stuff because that's basically telling p- people on the Internet not to breathe. So I'm not going to do right, that. for real. But, you know, uh, to still align, uh, still align from uh, a former AEW wrestler by the name of CM Punk, the apology needs to be as loud as the disrespect. Yeah, as loud and as public because, listen, yeah, was that yeah, segment man. bad? Yeah, it was bad, I would say. I do think it was pretty bad. Um, but no one knew what Kenny was going through. Nobody. And yes. the fact that he was even on T like Jericho basically came out being like, There's no reason this man should have even been out there to doing a promo, but he insisted on it. So he pushed well beyond when he should have. So Yes, yeah, so most important thing he, right now is the fact that he's healing up. So if he wasn't as quick and off the cuff and good with the one liners as you thought, yeah, there was a reason. And it's like, like I said, it's just one of those things. It's like Skinny Omega. Uh, I have, you know, when it comes to, I respect Kenny Omega as, uh, as far as entering work. I'm a fan of his entering work. I never thought he was this just amazing juggernaut on the mic. So you take him not being just super over or super great on the mic or whatever, and then you add a bunch of pain to it. Yeah, there you go. That's where you're going to get, and it it sucks. Uh, We definitely wish him uh, a speedy recovery, and you know, uh, you know, but get you know, get back, get back when it's right. You know, don't rush it or whatever. Uh, Kenny Omega, because everybody was waiting to get to Kenny Omega old. You know, everybody was waiting to get the best bout machine of old, and you know, he didn't seem like he had lost a step or anything. But you know, unfortunately, the reality of wrestling is father time is undefeated we may never get that kenny omega again i'm not saying we're not we may never get the kenny omega that you know tore the world down or we may he may come back and be better than ever we don't know we just want him to get better yeah no a thousand percent so uh obviously with this that their tag match for the aw world tag team championships are off um we still don't really have an idea of what's happening with that for the most part of him of what's going to fill in, basically, uh, for Big Bill. And again, can I just say, too, I mean, this this is small potatoes at the end of the day, but can Ricky Starks be more unlucky with people he's supposed to wrestle and then shit happens and then all of a sudden, oh, they're out. And it's just like, I, I'm genuinely asking, can Ricky Starks be more unlucky? Because I think this is at least the third or fourth time this has happened to him. Yeah, I mean... It's just weird, right? Some people, some people like when it comes in, like the fact that he has managed to stay, you know, fairly like really, really popular. Even like fans don't want to boo him. Like I'll, I'll say that about Ricky Starks. Most fans don't want to boo him. They are because that's the thing that you're doing right now. But they don't want him. They love him so much, 
And yeah, you know, he had the thing with CM Punk. He's had he's had a lot of different uh things fall out the wrong way. And this Kenny Omega, you were gonna have Ricky Starks in a uh, in a pay per view tag team match with Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. Come on, that's a that's a big ass match. And he's the champion in that case. And yeah, now it's canceled. And well, not canceled. Uh, Jericho says he still has. Uh, Jericho said tonight that he still has a title shot and he's going to find a partner. So we'll see yeah. where, where that goes. But yeah, Ricky Starks is the other side of it. Like every injury, every big time injury, there's the one side that's the most important side. It's the person uh, getting looked at, figuring out what's wrong and getting better. Yeah. That's number one. But man, you got to remember that those people are generally working with other people and that could cause an effect. If you look about the, when CM Punk, uh, when CM Punk won the title at all out with the night of brawl out and then got hurt, it looked like, you know, he was supposed to be in this like epic feud with MJF, right? Maybe it ended when MJF went in the title or whatever. And then they had to pivot, pivot, pivot on that. And it's just like, you you just see when the injuries have happened and they've had to pivot. It's just it never seems to work out the same way. No, for sure. But that's besides the point. Uh, yeah, once again, get well soon, Kenny Omega. Uh, we'll move forward now with this week in AEW. Uh, real quick, actually, we'll talk a little bit about Ring of Honor Final Battle. Um, unfortunately, I myself have not had time to see the show. I've seen clips. But I have not seen the show in its entirety. I still need to watch it, quite frankly. Um, been busy trying to get uh, wrapped up with work uh, for my Christmas break. Uh, but Mr. Floyd, though, um, I know he's uh, watched it. And uh, can you give me just your thoughts on Final Battle? I was going to just, yeah. My quick, my quick review is just going to be like, this is what you need to see. And honestly, on Final Battle, it's a TK production. It's a pay-per-view. So it was a banger. Right. It's like even if you don't know the storylines for ROH, you might not have as much of the emotional side of everything. It was still a really good show. Um, Let's see. uh, Let's see. uh, FTR uh, and Mark Briscoe versus Blackpool Combat Club. uh, One of favorite six man matches I ever had. Uh, I mean, this was pro wrestling fighting. This was everything I loved about pro wrestling. I mean, they had the the stoppage in the middle where the referee was going to throw the match out. And Mark Briscoe's like, fuck no, fuck you. This is for my brother. And, you know, and they continued the match. He had, I think, Dax pile drove John Moxley off the apron through a table. Uh, Cash was on the other side. And, of course, uh, Mark Briscoe hits the Dre Driller in the middle ring, Owen Brian Danielson to get the win. But yeah, this match was amazing. Meltzer gave it four and, and three quarter stars, so it wasn't quite five star. I, when I got through with the match, I was like, absolutely five stars. I mean, it's a quarter star. I mean, that's it, in the range of error, so whatever. Uh, I just think if you're uh, listening to this show, which means you're a passionate fan of AEW and wrestling, it would be a fun match to watch. T- uh, Tony Nese and Ethan Page put on a, a banger, and it was an I Quit match. Uh, we got special appearance by Scorpio Sky. That was great. Survival of the Fittest was uh, Do- uh, D- uh, Kyle Fletcher, Dalton Castle, Lee Moriarty, Commander uh, Lee Johnson. Yeah, they d- they delivered. Uh, the highlight for me was uh, Mr. Brian Keith, the out uh, the bounty hunter Brian Keith. 
long time Texas legend, long time Texas wrestler. Uh, he came out to Tippin, still uh, Tippin on four fours. It's Tippin, yeah, uh, by Paul Wall. Uh, which is like screw music, South Texas, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like, and the crowd went crazy when that happened. I can't say I was a big fan of it. I, I'm shit, I, like, I don't even know if I got the title, uh, name of the song right, but uh, it was like, you know, that song was me in high school. Like, yeah, like screw music was big, and, you know, yeah, you know, people stamp Paul Wall, so that was pretty cool. That was a cool moment. And then Billy Starks and Athena fucking killed it. And yeah. I do understand not everybody listens, watches ROH. So I've heard different previews or reviews of the show and people are like, I don't get it. Why, why with this case? The whole idea, and this is going to be very short, Billy Starks was not hurt that Athena mistreated her. That wasn't the thing. Athena did the minion graduation which basically going from a minion in training to a minion was like you're going from being somebody that's subservient to her to her friend and that's all billy starks wanted to be was athena's yeah. friend so when athena said you didn't graduate you're still a minion in training that silly billy starks off because someone that she cared about basically rejected her so they then have this match. It's epic. And they did pretty much every false finish ever. They did everything they can to make you think Billy Starks is going to win. And then Athena won. And then after the match, Athena's like, oh, you basically beat respect into me. And then not, not and she didn't handshake her because Billy Starks hadn't been trying to get a handshake. She had been trying to get a high five. So when she sticks that high five up, as much as Billy Starks lost the match, she also won because she is now a minion. Yeah, which, you know, even Athena kind of gagged on because she was going to say friend. And then she's like minion because, you know, the big dog doesn't want to share any uh, show any weakness. So Athena, I happened to be there when she won the title last year at final battle. And then there, when she continues to keep the title, I personally think, there's a lot of great stuff on ROH. I think above and beyond head and shoulders, she's the best thing on Reign of Honor. That's why I have a minion shirt because I love Athena. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> for me wearing a Athena shirt, that was interrupted by FTR basically announcing within a week, uh, the week before the show, that they were going to be there. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm wearing an FTR shirt. But uh, Tony Khan doesn't listen. I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen to the show. If he happens to listen to the show. Yeah. As a person no. that loves ROH and buys ROH tickets, you announce that FTR match. You announce that FTR match. And you announce the appearance by Brian Keith about, what, three weeks, a month before the show. I have no math to back this up, but I believe you sell 500 to 1,000 more tickets. Instead of just like within two weeks, yeah, like no, they they pre they announced the FTR thing like on Monday, and it's just like for a Friday night event, people make plans for Friday nights. People yeah. go have dates and you know have to take their kids somewhere and have to have babysitters and all that stuff. 
you have to give them time to buy tickets. This is, like I said, it's not a huge criticism because he puts on amazing shows. And I do think for the most part, people should be buying tickets because they know they're going to get an amazing show. But there are some names that just draw more than others. You put <laughs> FTR, <laughs> FTR and Mark Briscoe, and then you put your Blackpool Combat Club, and you put the heavy hitting lineup of Brian Danielson, John Moxley, and Claudio Castagnoli. All six of these people have their own individual fan bases. And then you say, hey, this is what's going to happen in a month. People that wanted to travel would travel. People that live locally would maybe were on the fence about going. Literally, I didn't buy my ticket to the show until the day of, and I could have bought second row. And it's just like, dude, with those six guys on your oh, with those six guys on your card anywhere, you're selling two thousand tickets, right? And it's just like I'm just sitting there watching it. I'm just like. Dude, just just give people a little more time. Like, not me. I'm the nerd. You have me. I always say, when I make these suggestions, they're not about me. Uh-huh. I'm going to be there, right? <laughs> I'm saying about the other people that lives aren't completely wrapped up in professional wrestling and being at the shows, and wives aren't super understanding to just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to the show this week. Yeah, I'm not talking about me, because <laughs> I'm going to be there. Shit. I'm always there, you know, but yeah, I'm talking about the other people. Give them a little time. Let them make the decision of whether they're going to go instead of making the decision for them. When you don't announce big matches until like five days before the show, you've made the decisions for your audience. The most you're going to get is a pay-per-view buy because you're definitely not selling a ticket to the show. They just don't have time to make the arrangements. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. Shout out Ring of Honor though for her final battle. Dude, seemed I mean, like everything went off without a hitch with t- more TK pay per view still yeah. producing like they always. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say T- TK Productions, TKP as I like to call them. There you go. They don't miss. They don't miss. If I, I'm like seriously, if you buy a ticket to, I, I like I said, I've never even heard a poorly rated pay per view. I've heard the worst I've heard about a pay per view under Tony Khan is that it wasn't as good as the other pay per views, but it there was still go. good. You know, like it's still objectively good. It just wasn't what I'm used to, and that's a great thing to see. And it's just like, and for you know, you know, for the hardcore fan base, I know. Buy a ticket to Tony Khan. You're going to be, uh, you're going to uh, a Tony Khan production. You're going to be entertained. But there's a certain amount of people out there that if I say Tony Khan productions, they're like, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about, and he doesn't miss. And they were like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, who's going to be in the match? And you're going to be like, well, the main event's Athena and Billy Starks. And as much as I love Athena and Billy Starks, as much as I love both of them. I don't think they're there yet as far as drawing a large audience. Right. I think I think Athena will get there. When she gets to the She I, will, no. I know she is someone I did not I mean, I I I'm gonna say this. It's gonna sound harsh, but this is the biggest compliment with all the love. She is someone I did not give a fuck about. Like I loved Athena when she got signed, and I was constantly annoyed with the fact that she <laughs> yeah. wasn't being used. And, like, her return was huge for me, but then, like, she just vanished, you know? Yeah, yeah it was like when there was Ember Moon, uh, Ember Moon, I didn't care about her. Didn't know what Ember Moon was. Didn't know who she was. She was always a good wrestler. Her finishers, one of the best finishers in wrestling. Don't get me wrong. But when she became 
Athena, this badass war goddess, uh, someone that's like, oh man, she's like they're pointing out that she's too stiff, she's too mean, you know. And then she's talking to, you know, she's got the attitude and she has dominions and all that stuff. And it just made me start actually, you know, like wanting to see Athena wrestle in it, you know, her much more aggressive, violent style definitely appeals to uh, my sensibilities. So, yeah, I like, again, there have been wrestlers that I've 180 on. And, yeah, Athena is definitely on that. She went from a wrestler I can honestly say didn't care about. When she signed with the AEW, I was like, oh, she's a good wrestler. And I just kind of shrugged my shoulders. And then, yeah, until now where I have her merchandise and I'm like, oh, I was going to the ROH show no matter what because I wanted to see Athena. And that is a big change for me. For sure. All right. Well, now we will move on to AEW, starting with Dynamite and Floyd. He got his, finally, he got his Oklahoma City Dynamite, and he was in attendance. First off, we just go to Floyd. Your experience with AEW finally getting a Dynamite in your your backyard. Yes, uh, dude, I, I was ecstatic. I was, dude, if I could have bought every ticket in the building, I would, and gave it to my <laughs> friends, and if that was even feasible for me, you know, so many times I just thought about buying, like, like more tickets, but uh, for y'all, those that follow me at Floyd Johnson Jr., uh, there was a picture I posted, uh, and it was me in front of the ring, this, and then there was a picture with me and, what is it, six other guys, and in that picture is my life. Uh, I can honestly say there there are other pictures that, you know, maybe uh, going along this, but nobody, no picture represents my life of how I am as a, a wrestling fan more than that one. Uh, next to me in the uh, Florida State hoodie is my brother, Kenneth. He's the reason I'm a, a, a wrestling fan. He's the reason I'm a Florida State fan. He's pretty much the reason I am the psychotic person I am this uh, life. Uh, he's nine years older than me, so... Pretty much everything he liked, I loved. Uh, next to him was a blind guy, Noel. Noel, I've known since I was five years old. He didn't like me at first. What did we end up bonding over and have been friends for over 30-something years? Professional wrestling. Then my friend Bill, uh, who was Kenneth's first friend when he moved from St. Louis to Oklahoma City. Again, I'm not. I'm going to... This is almost wrapped up. Then I got my arm around my best friend, Jason. Now, Jason is my hetero life mate. You hear me bring him up all the time. I met him when I was 12 years old. He's pretty much my brother in every sense of the term. He knows everything about me. He he knows when I am not being the most Floyd, he's the person that I call. When I'm not feeling super positive or super happy about life, he's the person I call. And he always talks me down, you know, and that kind of thing. So, uh, like literally every day of my life is represented in this picture. And I want to give a shout out to Caleb. Caleb met through the, through social suplex, which is weird because Caleb's is from Oklahoma and we're both Oklahoma wrestling fans, but we met through some people from Florida, the, our social suplex podcast group. And me and Caleb have driven to Jacksonville together, which I can honestly say was the foundation of our friendship. Cause if you can be in a car with me for 30 something hours, which Come on, let's see, 80% of the time I'm going to be talking. I mean, let's be real. Everyone knows me. Right. I don't I don't I don't lack for anything to say. I am very open about that. Uh so and the fact is, if you can make it that long and still want to be friends with me, oh, we're friends for life. Cause 
dude, yeah, that's uh, I I can honestly say at certain times I'm not a fan of silence. So unless I'm sleeping, I'm probably talking. So shout out to Caleb. Uh, He came down from Tulsa, and uh, yeah, it's like like literally every day of my life is represented in that picture. So to be able to take those uh, people to the event, I was uh, doing uh, I was doing an account with a friend uh, about people I bought tickets for. People I told about the show that didn't know and people that got the four for one, I was responsible for 38 people being at AEW Dynamite this week. Which is awesome. Like genuinely so cool that you hooked up so many of your friends and so many people you cared about for you to get those those tickets and everything like that. Oh, and and super shout out to my boy, Sam. The week before, uh, Sam Security, week before, I talked to him, and I was like, my friend is bringing his daughter. She's five. She's a big wrestling fan. Hasn't been to a show. Just her first show. He said, man, find me. I'm going to get her a picture on the ramp. I found him. He remembered, which is amazing. I know it was a week, but, you know, like I said, dude, Sam, head of security, thousand things going on if he forgets that he said something to me the week before i'm not going to be shocked by that i would my feelings oh, weren't yeah. going to be hurt because the dude the dude's a busy man he immediately remembers says bring her over she got that moment she got a picture on the ramp super happy aew for life so that's how you get fans right there uh unique experience and sam sam's always been like that with yeah like, the whole security team and like they they do such a good job of like you know really giving people like you know treating yeah. them to a good time and all that kind of stuff sam, sam's a- yeah sam dave uh shane all the guys out there there are people i see all the time and i say hi to but i don't know their name so uh, I'm, not, I'm not forgetting you i just literally don't i legitimately don't know your name uh, and then you know all the ring crew all the aw people it's just like I always say it's one of the best live experiences uh because you know it's generally for me it feels like hey i'm going to see my bunch of my friends while they're at work and, and that's what i do try to respect when they're there <laughs> is that they are at work as much yes. as i'm having fun and i want to chop it up and see how their life's going on they are at work <laughs> they they have to work so i try to get back to my uh i try to go back to my hidey hole and get ready for the show so it was just fun being there i was looking around and it's like it's many like it was show 50 for me and it's like i had done this 49 times before and you know i take the picture of where i'm sitting and i take a picture of my view from the ring and it's just like for one time it was like i'm home i am legitimately for every every term i am home and that makes me that made me super happy i i just like i uh it was like i'm watching my favorite thing in the world in my own state 15 minutes from my house but meant everything to me yeah no it was awesome to see you have a good time and again like we mentioned uh on rampage mr roderick strong even called you stupid which was spectacular to see dude so uh, i had told a few people about that and i was like the way it did the segment, like it went on a while, and I was like, I don't know if that's even making TV. So he actually did it to four people, but only two made TV, and I happened to be one of them. Me being closest to the ring probably had something to do with it. Sure, but it was fucking. Epic. But also your look of just like hands over the ramp, just kind of being like, "What do you have to say?" And then you just like literally lean back and laugh your ass off. Yes, because it was like. 
I kind of felt when I was standing and looking, I felt like he was coming towards me. <coughs> and it was just like, I didn't know what he was, and then I kind of knew what he was going to say. And it was just kind of like, yeah, I am kind of stupid because I don't think MJF's the devil, Roddy. I still don't think MJF's the devil, even though you call me stupid in front of millions of people. Dude, no, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I told uh, Jackie this. I sent her this message. A weird, it's kind of a weird circle thing because the first time I ever met Roddy Strong was in Oklahoma City. He was here for a wrestling con uh, called, uh, what was it called? Shit, Oklahoma And it was in a building right across the street from the basketball stadium. Uh, it was uh, the Cox Convention Center. And uh, he um, didn't know where he was going. And of course, me being at the con, uh, I walked him to the door and he was like, man, thanks. And I actually got my picture with him uh, later, uh, later on that day. And so it was like that day I helped him out cause he couldn't find out where he was going this week. He went to me on TV. So I always said, I don't you know, I got a speaking line on a AEW wrestling show. Boom. And I wrote it myself. Yeah. <laughs> no. There you go. But so it was just this weird kind of like, hey, thank you. And everyone's like, he called you stupid. I'm like, yeah, but he also got me on like national TV. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he made you a gift. You are a gift now. You yes. Are forever yes. gift. Mm-hmm. I think there's only one gift of me in AEW, I, if I can remember. Let me see if I can actually find this law I'm looking for. It. But when Orange Cassidy debuted, uh, when he debuted on All Out, uh, the first ever All Out, we were right behind him, and me and Sydney were just jumping like crazy. Like, we were losing our minds that Orange Cassidy was right, that, like, that he had debuted. Because we had also seen him, I'm pretty sure we saw him the night before at the GCW Two Cup Stuff show. So, when he debuted, like, and like, shit, I can't believe he's here. But, yeah, no, we were gift behind him, which was spectacular, so... Like it's, I think that's the only time that we've been, that we've been I've been part of a GIF when it came to uh, AEW. Immediately, first thing I do was download it. I'm like, okay, I'm keeping this forever. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's an awesome moment. It was like I wasn't expecting it, wasn't talked about. I was just enjoying the show. Uh, and again, if it was in another state like it usually is, I might have left for a rampage because sometimes I have to get home. And because it was in my state, I'm like, I'm staying to the end. And now that was oh, yeah. a really, really cool moment. Really cool moment. Thank you, Roddy Strong, for that. I guess I'm supposed to act angry, but thank you again. Yeah, thank no, you. honestly. Yes, thank you, Roddy Strong, for that. I'm if like, only I could just <laughs> get it. I just Now I just need one thing. I just need him to just shout your name at the top of his lungs. Yes. Fine! He Fine! did. He did at the show, but they didn't. Dude, they oh, did, did they he ask that, you what your name was? Yeah, no, I, yeah, because on the video, I say my name. If you watch the actual Rampage, he asked me my name. He says it, and then, yeah, you're, he said, Floyd, you're also stupid. So he did do the uh, Floyd thing. He just, did? Okay, well, I, then we need to, like, somehow get that in the intro. Dude, that would be so awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. That was It was just really cool. I was just very happy to be there. I was there next. And then Matt Taven and Mike Bennett were, like, pretty much standing at me the whole show, and he was hanging up. MJF is the devil signs, and, yeah. It was funny because the dude kept trying to take the sign down, and he's like, dude, I'll knock you out, I swear to God. And he said it, and the dude just <laughs> backed up. I was like, I loved it. I, I, I just loved it. I love it because, you know, full... 
doing their thing. It's amazing. Their interaction, it's amazing. Bennett is really hilarious <laughs> on the side of the ring when he's like doing his stick. He just he literally talks the whole match. He doesn't really take away from the match because everything he's saying is about the match, but he's talking shit the whole time. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, honestly, it's it's quite. He's he is pretty dang funny. I will give him that because he was saying some wild shit. But getting into dynamite though, from this past, he had uh, started off with a gold league matchup between Swerve Strickland and Roosh. Obviously, Swerve stru- suffering his first and only loss. Sorry, spurge through my door, so I'm gonna get that fixed real quick. But um, yeah, no. So with uh, with the Continental Classic where it is right now, um, let me actually get the standings up as well. Yeah. So Orange uh, Swerve Strickland had just suffered his one and only loss to John Moxley. So in his final match against Roosh. He needed to win in order to keep pace with John Moxley to try to stay in the finals for the Gold League. And they did a damn good job because Roosh, also during the match, he was uh, absolutely, like, his leg was in agony because he took a dragon screw during the match off of uh, uh, his, uh, he took a dragon screw off his injured leg and he was getting beat the hell out of with his leg. But he still managed to move crazy in this match. Uh, Roosh, still spectacular work. He has been in the middle of the pack for the Gold League, but has been consistently, like, damn good. Um, But Swerve Strickland manages to get the victory, and he holds on to be able to stay in pace with uh, John Moxley. So it just came down to what Moxley would do in his match against Jay White to see how the standings would switch if it was going to be Swerve versus John Moxley or if Jay White was going to force it into a three-way. So this match was amazing, and Swerve, good Lord. I'm like, t- you really can't tell this man is a heel or a bad, you know, uh, most of the People time. People love this dude. And they love the song. They love doing the dance. They love doing Prince Nana. It reminds me, Prince Nana's involvement with Swerve reminds me a lot of Rebels' involvement with Dr. Britt Baker. I, like, they, their job is to enhance the star power of their person that they're supporting. I don't, like, other other than Rebel for Britt Baker, I have not seen a person do that for a wrestler as much as Prince Nana has done for Swarov. Oh, yeah. Swarov had a really cool song. Really cool song. And he had a really cool chant. And then Nana put a dance to it. And then it just skyrocketed. And I'm not going to say, oh, Swerve's only over because Nana. That's stupid. I'm saying it works perfectly together. It's how a manager-wrestler role is supposed to work. Yeah. He has enhanced his wrestler. You know, and it's, uh, I mean, and Swerve doesn't, you know, Swerve's not going to need that forever, but it is amazing right now. Like, you're just seeing everybody, little kids, parents, old people, all trying to do Swerve dance. I, I don't dance, but when that Where music... was the, There was one clip of him at an independent show, too. It was, like, in, uh, I don't know if it was Jamaica, it was some foreign country, basically, but him walking out, everybody was doing the dance. Yeah, and it's just, like, it has enhanced him so much. Uh, I'm like I like I said I don't dance at all. 
and I do the dance. And and it was funny because everyone says he was turning a corner, and you would have seen me do the dance. And then they switched to Continental Classic standings right at that point. That's but, a shame. Uh, but no, everybody there was just you know, just it was just such a big thing, and they just like he's in a match with Rouge, and like of the night as far as quote unquote pops. Man, there wasn't a bigger star than Swerve Strickland in Oklahoma City. Yeah, no, he got a massive pop, and uh, he needed this win, too. So, like, there was a lot riding on this win uh, just to make sure he kept pace in order to hold firm that he would get uh, the match against John Moxley guaranteed if he won. So the fact that he did was huge. So that was a great way to start off the show. Uh, we then had Jericho have his important announcement where he was pulling for Kenny and everything like that, which was genuinely really good to see. I like that he said goodbye and goodnight, uh, which was very nice to see. And then we moved over to another Gold League match. Jay Lethal versus Mark Briscoe. Zero versus zero. Who would get their first win and only win in the Continental Classic? These two were the only wrestlers in the entire tournament who had not won a match uh, so far, besides Daniel Garcia, uh, was there one other person that also didn't have a win? No, I was just going to say, and the best part is their rivalry started before the tournament. Yeah, no, this this was more so, forget about the Continental Classic itself, this was these guys in Ring of Honor, like, bringing all of that back together. Yeah, and it was just like, so, they had this match, which would have been, like, you know, like, a big match if you just did it on Dynamite because of, you know, the whole thing with the uh, Jared family and everything. So, uh, now that you just have the match, Jay Lethal versus uh, Briscoe, no interference, nobody on the outside, who's better? You know, that was, and I thought this match was really good. If this was like yeah, for the ROH they, TV they, title they or something, really well, I would have yeah. been okay with that. Yeah, it was really well. It was really done. Well done. They uh, it yeah, was no. a, there was some good fighting going on. Yeah. Uh, in the end, Mark Briscoe managed to get the victory. It was very nice to see. You figured that he would be the one that got the victory because you know he's the one that like AEW has the most affinity towards, uh, just to say the least. Uh, but. Both wrestlers performed very, very well. They took some good strikes into each other, too. And um, I like the just the way that the uh, commentators brought up their feud from Ring of Honor to really get that included, too. I love that they included that. And, uh, and I was going to say, the, to me, the best part is when you had to end with the hug, a lot of those blood yes. fire rivalries doesn't make sense when they yeah. hug but these two started at first this just started as jay lethal like literally i just want you to be in our group and mark briscoe like respectfully turning it down and then it just escalated from there so the fact that it ends with the same respect and friendship that it began with actually made sense with this tag group absolutely yeah and i'm glad that they had the nice moment together and they had a standing ovation afterwards it was genuinely nice to see um we then had uh, footage of uh, MJF getting inducted into the National Jewish Sports Hall of Fame, which was very cool to see. We saw it all over social media. It was nice to see them actually run something on it on Dynamite. That was genuinely cool to see. So um, It just feels like his career kind of like he's in the middle of it, just started getting put in the Hall of Fame. Isn't that something you're supposed to be to have done in your 40s? Yeah, like when you're done. Yeah, like when you're done. So no, uh, shout out to him. I, I, I it seemed like it meant a, it meant a lot to him. I mean, you know, for me, it's just 
hey, it's cool, you know, kind of thing. But oh, it seemed yeah. like it meant it genuinely meant a lot to him and his family. So I'm happy for him in that situation. But it's always weird when people that are healthy and still active get into a Hall of Fame. That's always weird to me. Yeah, no, it's it's something that's not normal for sure. Yeah, yeah. You're used to that. It's like when you're finished, that's when you uh, get put in the Hall of Fame. But. Like, I think JR went into the Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame like a few years ago. Yeah, I that know, sounds it was right. Recent. Yeah. It was recent. Yeah, like, so that's right. <laughs> that, that's how that's, it works. That is the time we expect, yes. <laughs> yes. But, but moving on, though, a quick vignette of uh, Wardlow basically saying, I'm going to kill you, and I'm bringing the devil to his knees, and it's going to be you. Uh, and then we had Samoa Joe come out to the ring and he talked about how, um, I come seeking answers and I was asking the right questions. I mean, I was, I, I was asking the right questions, but maybe I wasn't, uh, asking asking the right right people. people, Yes. Yeah. But even though Roderick Strong is the dimmest bulb on the Christmas tree, he brings up a good point because it seems that our illustrious world champion isn't the only victim, as we're all assaulted by the devil. For some odd reason, Hangman was a victim. And then we think back to our world champion getting attacked. Every time the devil attacks someone, we get plenty of footage of them getting stomped out, but our world champion was just found gingerly laid down and passed out in the back. So MJF, you need to come out here and explain yourself. And MJF goes immediately, I get jumped in the back by a bunch of goons hit with the back of the head with a beer bottle and you're accusing me being the devil and he says that's interesting joe because i thought you were supposed to protect me you were the one that said from henceforth mjf you are my property so no show joe seems that you care about your property as much as you care about your diet and he says if we're throwing accusations around i've got some accusations joey i get jumped in the back the goons surround me the ring uh, they don't lay a finger on you. So let's see. I don't like you. I don't trust you. Why am I waiting until world's end? So I, when I can just end your world right now, they start shoving each other, but then lights go out. The devil mask appears on screen and, uh, the mask men come and swarm them. They fight them off. But then the screen says, where can you go? Who can you trust? Next week, will you accept an will you accept a challenge for your Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship? Are you a hero, Max? And MJF is just frustrated and he goes, Joe, I know what you're gonna say. You're gonna say no, but listen, I promised my best friend I would defend these tag titles no matter what until he comes back. Joe immediately takes the mic and says, We accept. Seems the best way to handle a devil is with our bare hands. We beat his boys' asses. So they yeah. Yeah. will be teaming once again as they are going to uh, face off against uh, the de- devil goons. I want to be and say this. I don't know if anyone else does a pissed off promo better than Mr. Samoa Joe. No, no one. Like, like, like chills. Like he is just. And it's not like like in in an unintelligible just like yelling. It is like everything makes sense, you know. And it's just like everything's based in reality in his promos. And it's very angry, and he's angry for the right reasons. And like I don't care who did it. I just want to fuck somebody up. That is that's perfect. And I thought he was amazing in this segment. Yeah, no, he did spectacular. There's not a segment that Samoa Joe is in that's not quality. 
quality. He is consistently one of the best people on the mic. I I can't stop praising him. Um, We then had best friends backstage, Chris Statlander, Orange Cassidy, Trent, and Rocky Romero. And Rocky basically said, I spent 329 days as CMLL World Historic Welterweight Champion, but last week I lost it. So I'm looking for new international champions. I mean, I'm looking for new international opportunities, and I want to bring gold around this waist. And Orange just goes, oh, okay, I get it. Fine. I'll see you Friday, Rocky. So just all of a sudden, you just assume marijuana champion because he said he looked for, was looking for international opportunities. <laughs> Genuinely pretty funny. Yeah, because Rocky's look like I didn't want to fight. I wasn't doing that. I was, yo, no. And they're like, yeah, you're getting a championship fight. That's easy. Yeah, no. You just have to fight one of your friends. Yeah, you just got to fight this dude that's literally only like lost one match in a year or something like that. Yeah, no big deal. No big deal. No big deal. (laughs) Yes. So he only lost to the final boss, John Moxley. That's it. So, no. I I just thought this, again, another well-known segment. I just, AEW is just hot right now. I, I, I don't remember the last show or segment or I don't remember the last mishap or anything. It's just they are in the zone right now. Yeah, no, they are doing very, very well right now in terms of just producing really cool match opportunities and stuff like that. And just, yeah, moving yeah. on, though, we have Soraya versus uh, Riho. The winner would face Tony Storm for the Women's World Championship at Women's at World's End. And there was a point where Soraya hid behind a security guard and then hit Riho, which was was pretty funny. Um, but in the end, though, this was Riho's match to win. And Riho pins Soraya, becomes the number one contender for World's End. Luther carries Tony Storm and then proceeds to uh, like bring out those old school opera like binoculars, like the one that's on a stick and looks at her. And then she gets beat up by Riho and eventually uh, gets knocked out of the way. But then all of a sudden, uh, Mariah May hits uh, Riho with the AW Women's World Championship. And Tony Storm basically didn't know who she was. Like, completely forgot who she was. Oh, I'm loving this. I'm loving this. Like, to her, she's just this fan, not this person that helps her. She's yep. just this random Who's fan. Who is this crazed woman that's helping me? Yes. Even though she's been introduced to her on multiple occasions and has actually hung around her a good amount, she does not remember who she is. And this she is going to be the modern day Stan in AEW. And this is the perfect, perfect uh, spot for Rio. Uh, oh, yeah. she's very over with the fan base. She's a great like first or second challenger for your uh, opponent. I mean, if they ever wanted to put the bell back on her, it would definitely work. But this is working to basically her and Tony at World's End. And, you know, more than likely she's not going to win. But Rio's perfect for the spot because everyone wants her to win. Yeah, it's genuinely like a good spot. And Tony Storm, like, still spectacular. Yeah, the problem problem with these type of characters is they do get so popular that fans end up cheering them instead of booing them. That's not going to happen with Rio. Everyone, everyone that being said, I have I have two things in terms of the popularity. First off, um, as we found out after Collision tonight, um, the amount of people that are simping for Mariah May are drastic. If you look at Twitter right now, and Mariah May is engaging back on it, 
people are simping for her so hard. It's honestly quite spectacular. Like, y'all gotta calm down a little bit. And this is coming from the guy who, let's be frank, I simped a little bit for for Tony Storm, but that's, you know, having fun with it. Some of y'all are, like, actively trying to get with this girl, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, y'all gotta chill. I saw her, I mean, and she is attractive, you know, yeah, she is. Like, like, I'm like, I'm just like, I'm not gonna be like, you know, trying to, you know, give up my life for her or whatever. Have her rap, have her rap Eminem and then I'll understand. Like, I'll tell you that much. Have her do an Eminem rap and then I will understand where you're coming from. No, but yeah, she seems to be, <laughs> this is one of the tweets. Not to be dramatic, but I would do a swan dive off of Mount Everest for Mariah May. That is a thing that someone said. I would <laughs> ride across the Atlantic on a rubber ducky to see Mariah May versus Julia Part 2 at All In. <coughs> so, yes. See, I don't know if I have my page curated, right? I hadn't really seen any of this. Oh, no. Mine was showing up constantly. And she's, re- she's reposting it all. I know. She's feeding into all of it. Yes, Mariah May, I'd carry you anywhere if you get tired. If Mariah May was ever to misplace her keys, I'd just buy her another car and say sorry for not finding them. (laughs) That was pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, no. Now, uh, next week, the next week we'll get a segment called Tweets to Mariah May, and I'll try to pick out the not creepy ones. Basically, the eight... (laughs) Because... AEW fans are thirsting over a lot of these uh, women wrestlers. I, mean, I will say that she she is very attractive, and I remember when Anna J debuted, and the internet blew up over her. Oh my god! And it just seems to happen when attractive people come into AEW. Uh, yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. It is a thing. Yeah. yeah. The only other thing I wanted to ask too is that can like is it are we are we at the point where we need to talk a little bit about the decline of Soraya? In in what way? Just in terms of just like, I don't know. It just seems like since All In, when she had her massive moment, there was no sustaining. It was like, that was the moment, then it was over, and then it's like, well, now what do we do? Because now she's gotten, like, I want to have a genuine moment of Soraya, like, actively, because... You see Ruby Soho getting to that point where she's like almost leaving like Soraya too. I need a moment of Soraya at pure rock bottom of like all my friends have left me. Yeah. Why the fuck is this happening to me? And, I just need like something like a constructive thing for Soraya because I think she can do that, but it just seems like we're just kind of in nowhere's land with and she, she works really well in the players coach type situation. Where, you know, she's not wrestling every week, but she can she's talk more for, of a manager. Uh, yeah, talk for the group. So if, if you know, Floyd's idea guy, not execution guy. If you wanted to find, like, three or, f- or four women from, you know, like, that you're developing, younger ones. Like, uh, just off the top of my head, give her the Renegade Twins, you know, give Soraya the, uh, Soraya the Renegade Twins, and maybe someone else. I, I can't even think of a name. But yeah, give her like those three and they pretty much act as support and she's on TV and, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's her best role because that's what she was doing with this group. She was just having uh, Ruby's back, having uh, 
having Tony's back and then she would cut a lot of, she would be the main promo person. And that's what worked until, you know, Tony pretty much outgrew it with her new character and Ruby's now in another different storyline. So it's, I think it's time for Soraya, uh, uh, Soraya to go ahead and get a couple other people. And I think the best thing to do is get some people that might not be 100% full ready to go, but you can put them in matches and, you know, you can put them in matches and uh, Soraya can do most of the talking. Renegade Twins were the first to pop to my mind. I can't think if there's another person that I would use that for. Yeah, no, I could see that. I, like, it, de- it definitely needs to get to that point, though. Yeah, yeah sure. so she could, call them, she could call them her twins. She's like, the something, twins yeah. are doing something like that. Like, and she can always, like, she doesn't know which one is which. You know, that would be pretty, you know, pretty funny type thing. Yeah. Mm. But moving on, though, from that, we then had uh, a prepared statement from the TNT champion Christian Cage read out by Tony Schiavone, uh, who was <laughs> demanded to say this, read this word for word. Uh, he had him like uh, Kansas City shut up. I mean Oklahoma City. Sorry, uh, Oklahoma City shut up while I'm conducting business, and while Shivani conducts my business, and he as the biggest, hottest, most talked about star in AEW. I have no doubt that the whole my absence has left in your lives, and after my career-defining victory over Adam Copeland. My prodigy, Nick Wayne, and I are going on a well-deserved vacation. And I understand the Rated R Superstar has challenged me to a no-DQ match at World's End. So I will make my triumphant return on Collision where I address Adam Copeland and address any lingering questions people have about what's transpired a couple weeks ago in Montreal. And I expect nothing less than a hero's welcome upon my return. Uh, So that was honestly funny having Shivani read that all out loud. Um, But then... We have the most intriguing part of the night, which is when Max Maxwell Jacob Freeman was walking backstage and he sees a black mask on the floor. And as he picks it up, it's in front of the mogul embassy's dressing room and he slams on the door. Nana answers it. He grabs Nana and puts him against the wall. Leave my friend alone, for God's sakes. What did he do to you? And he screams, what is with the black mask? What the hell is up with this? And Swerve then comes out. And then says, be careful handling my property. And he talked about how it was nice to see him out because it felt like he felt like that MJF had been ducking him his entire time in AEW. And he goes, Shane Strickland, swerve, look at you. See, we have big history, though. Not a lot of people know this. We used to go on car rides, long car rides every week. And we were just trying to make a name for ourselves on the indies. And look at you, all the momentum in the world, beating up some of the biggest stars this company has to offer. Um. I'm proud of you, but I haven't been ducking you. Reason why we haven't made eye contact is because there's levels to this. You're not on mine. And I don't hear your theme music and your star power doesn't have anything else basically tied to that theme music. So he says, I don't hear your theme music. Therefore, neither is your star power. And sort of then brings up those car rides and says, those were amazing. You were the best chauffeur I ever had in my life. And remember that interaction between you and William Regal years ago, you brought up an email at a tryout that you just failed at, and it turned you into a whiny little bitch that you are right now. And there are levels to this. You do tryouts, I sign contracts, and be careful how you talk to me, because the last person that did, I hung him outside the ring in front of 13,000 people by a chain. To which MJF says it's a solid monologue, but 
you're getting so good at talking. I'm proud of you. But you talk about Hangman an awful lot. It's almost obsessive. But it's funny you're talking about respect because I'm your world champion, kid. So check your tone. Watch your mouth. But here's the thing that's kind of odd. You hate Hangman more than anything. You want to be the world champion. So putting those things together is why I'm thinking about it. Why wouldn't you frame Hangman with a beer bottle? Why wouldn't you constantly try to get in my head? And your goons in the Mogul Embassy are jumping people, creating a clear path to finally have you be a world champion, be on top like Leroy's truly. So maybe you're the devil because I hope that part of me hopes that you are because you say this is your house. You're looking at the big bad wolf. And when I feel like it, I'll blow your house down and break both your arms so you can't swerve while you drive and serve then proceeds to go i ain't the devil you're looking for but keep waving that title in front of me and i'm going to be the one to bring you to hell and they not immediately opens the door trying to get them to break him up and then samoa joe goes and like uh my friends uh my associate and i have business elsewhere swerve versus mjf as an idea of a feud is just something that i want so bad this interaction was spectacular. Like just everything that they dug in on each other. Like, dude, holy shit. Like I want, like I want this so bad. Like if I, if we can get this at like revolution or double or nothing, I would be fucking ecstatic. So, you know, the crazy part is about this whole interaction. Swerve did a good job of the subtle expressions. Oh, where yeah. he's above everything, but when MJF took a special dig, you saw the subtle that it got to him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it was like, and he just, I mean, these that stuff, I don't know. Like, I, I can't say you can't teach it because, I mean, there's acting classes, but he just seemed so natural at it. It was just like, I'm above everything you're saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you have the title and I don't. And that's what Swerve wants, right? And it was just like, no, it was just, it was such a powerful interaction, and it also shows that MJF is, can't control himself. He's literally, like, Samoa Joe is only his friend to try to get his title. Then he has the devil and his goons, again, his best friends out, and what is he doing? Starting beef with more people. Last week it was Hangman, this week it was Swerve. Like, dude, he's, he just can't help himself, can he? He's just... He's just naturally going to piss everybody off. Yeah, no, genuinely. And the way these two guys are, were cutting promos against each other was just so great to see. It was so, so great to see. It was a great so, balance. It was a great balance. Their characters fit Oh, yeah, together each guy's really got well. their own shots yeah. in, and it just, it just makes you want to see them wrestle each other so bad. Yes. But moving on, we had Roderick Strong versus Commander. Uh Solid enough match, I would say. Uh, but it just ended up finishing up with Roderick getting the win and then passing out signs to the crowd that said MJF is the devil. Then saying, listen, Joe, it's so obvious he's the devil. Hangman mentions Max is the devil. He gets taken out. Joe, wake up. Believe me. And he's my best friend by proxy. He needs to listen to me. So uh, Funny enough moment, I guess. Uh, yes. But it was a nice little breather before the main event. Hey, anybody uh, like anybody that says like Roderick Strong is just a good wrestler, I'm like, you're not paying attention. This man has been this character stuff has been pretty amazing over the last month or so. 
Yeah, no, he's been, and like I said, the fact that he's getting over just screaming people's name at the top of his lungs is pretty nice to see. Moving on, though, main event of Dynamite, John Moxley versus Jay White, the top two of the top members of the Gold League. If Jay White wins this match, the Gold League final next week is a three-way. If he loses, the final of the Gold League would be John Moxley versus Swerve Strickland one-on-one. Um, and these guys fought their asses off. And genuinely, like, I didn't know exactly. Like, the idea of a three-way was more intriguing to me, but I genuinely thought Moxley was going to go scorched earth on the entire Gold League and go undefeated. I truly thought that was an outcome that was possible. Well, I would just like to let you, everyone know, if you listen to the show last week, this was this was spoiled for you because this is exactly what I called. Yes, Floyd <laughs> said this a thousand percent. Now they did damn good work in this match, but however, there was a point where Moxley went for a tope suicida, and then his knee kind of buckled, and he grabbed it pretty quickly, and then that's when Jay White proceeded to like use the steel ring steps and also grab some steel chairs. But then while that happened, though, he had a second chair and then smashed it into Moxley's leg. Uh, he barely beat the 10 count at one point, but still, as things were going on, Moxley's leg was st- knee was still bothering him. And then as it was going, Moxley uh, hit a curb stomp, got out of the Death Rider, though, the Blade Runner, and Jay White beats John Moxley. And then all of a sudden now, with the Gold League matches ran- finished up, the rankings are set. The top three, all with 12 points. John Moxley, Swerve Strickland, and Jay White will face off in the Gold League Finals on New Year's Smash on Dynamite. And they will be determining who wrestles in the finals of the Continental Classic at World's End. So, huge, huge moment there. In that, Scott, like the Gold League, there's you could see any of those three guys win for certain. You could see that. Um, so that match is automatically highly anticipated. And Moxley and Jay White did a damn good job. And Jay White just using heelish tactics to be able to make sure he forced his way in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest thing going into this one is that uh, each of these guys have lost to one person in this match, but they haven't lost to everyone. So John Moxley lost to Jay White. Jay White, though, lost to Swerve Strickland. Swerve Strickland lost to John Moxley. Yep. So, oh yeah, it was done perfectly. Um uh in this match, one thing I like Jay White and Moxley style works together cuz Moxley's so intense and Jay White kind of works the slower pace and it's just like way st- more methodical and just like yeah. like like a silent killer as opposed to Moxley's loud and violent. Yeah, and style makes fights and their styles work really well together and um uh, I love how protected uh, Jay White's finisher is as far as uh the Blade Runner. Blade Runner. When, he, when he hits it, and he hits it, and he gets on top. It's it's you're done, right? Now there have been times where he's hit it and he's not been able to get over there, or the person rolls out the ring. There's a whole bunch of things they've done it, but no one has he hit the move clean and then they kicked out. The move is just protected, and it's like with somebody that plays the type the character that uh, Jay White or Switchblade is. That needs to happen, and it, I, you know how important it is. And it's just so—it's so funny when 
you, you sometimes when people go from one company to another, does not matter the company uh, or whatever, they have to change their character. And it's just like they have to do things they're uncomfortable with because it and it's like this is Jay White. This the Jay White you get in AEW is the Jay White you've gotten in New Japan. It's the same character. The move is protected the same way. Everything's great and it's beautiful because it's like if you've been following Jay White for years as he is, you know, you know, came to be this character, you know, you you see him in AEW and it's still the same guy. You're still familiar with him. You don't have to learn all this new stuff. The dude's a uh, the leader of a bad guy group that hits the bling runner and wrestles slow and cheats, and that's what he does. And he's so fucking cool. And it was funny because I was cheering for him in this match. I was cheering for uh, Jay White because I prefer Jay White to John Moxley. And my boy Tyler's a Jay, uh, Jay White fan, so I was like, okay, I'm going to go hard for him. And I was cheering for him, and that dude did not react to me whatsoever. He's staring at the titles. I'm like, those are yours. You're taking those home. Blah, blah, blah. Yelling at Adam and didn't, like, as much as I was being positive, he didn't pay attention to me at all. I don't even think he heard me because that dude was just in his zone. He was Switchblade. Fuck everything else around him. I just I just thought that was really cool to see up close. Yeah, no, that was, that was pretty awesome and um, very, uh, very cool to see. Um, and yeah, like I said, the Gold League is very intriguing, and that was a great way to end off Dynamite, a really nice show that makes you immediately want to tune into New Year's Smash just to see yeah. how that whole thing shapes out. Yeah, um, the C2, people are like, hey, what, what's your thoughts on the C2? I'm like, I wanted it to be bigger, I wanted it to be longer, that's it, that's it, yeah. I, I just think... AEW, people have been talking about doing a hard reset, and I think the Continental Classic was its hard reset. It, yeah. it, over the last, however, 44 matches, what, six weeks or whatever, AEW has went back to being AEW focused on wrestling, right? Tonight, during Collision, which we'll talk about, there were six matches in two hours. Wrestling, yes. wrestling, 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 wrestling. There was one in-ring segment, but it was all about the wrestling. And that was what I always said. <laughs> AEW was, a, a WWE does sports entertainment, which I, I, I like and I watch. AEW does pro wrestling, which I fucking love. Yes, and they a thousand percent got back to doing what they uh, what they do best, which is I love seeing. I love yeah. seeing. Yeah. Um, talking about Rampage Holiday Bash, uh, two matches that I want to just comment on real quick. First of all, Orange Cassidy, Rocky Romero for the International Championship. That was damn good. Um, I also just like the bits of just Trent not being okay with this. Like, he clearly was like, my friends are hurting each other. Like, what the fuck? It's like, this wasn't supposed to be what Rocky meant by going after international gold. Um, But these guys still beat the hell out of each other in this match. Um, There's a point where Orange got hit with a kick. Orange hit, and then the Orange punch. But then as they do that, after exchanging forearms repeatedly, they just both fall to the mat and just, like, fit, like down. So they can't capitalize. They basically gave each other everything. But after uh, Orange Cassidy avoided a knee strike, he hit the orange punch, and then the beach break, and then he pins Rocky, retains the international championship, and then they all hug, and everyone's okay. Um, it was a damn good match for Rampage, I will say. Yeah, oh, definitely, uh, definitely, and I—that's another thing. Uh, I was gonna say, rampages over the last few weeks have been really good, right? And it's just yeah. like, well, yeah, 
like I'm not gonna say every match is the you know home run or whatever, but when you think of it, it's ten o'clock on a Friday night, right? They've been yes. really good matches. They're pre-recorded for the most part, uh, you know, but they've given you a reason to actually pay attention and actually watch the matches. And I think they've done it. You know, I, th- I just, like I said, I just feel like AEW as a whole right now, like if you call it the product, all of it's trending up right now. And that's great. Yeah. Well, and then also too, like I said, the orange Cassidy, Rocky Romero match was damn good for rampage. Like Toros for the mega champion, triple a mega championship. Jesus Christ, if you have not seen this match, yeah. seek it out. Like, this is a match that, like, you know, makes, like, it's a must-watch match yeah. on Rampage. I never, ever, ever will get tired of Taurus doing uh, the press slam off the top ropes. Oh, my never God, Never get dude. tired of it. Every time I've seen it, it just looks cooler and cooler every time. And it, and it's some people out there, and I'll, I'll I'll talk this about wrestling as far as like the nerds that watch it too hard. It's something about that somebody that understands who they are as a wrestler, as a character, or whatever, and in everything that they do is along those lines. A Black Taurus absolutely, absolutely understands who he is and understands what he's doing in the ring, and I really enjoy it. Him and Vikingo, like I've, you know, I said it was at ROH, so I just seen this match, and it was just as entertaining as it was the first time. Yeah, no, I mean, those guys tore the house down in that match. So, like I said, if you haven't seen it, please go see it. It's an amazing match. But now we move over to Collision, which just wrapped up a little bit uh, ago. And uh, this was focused in on the Blue League, finishing up the final matches we needed for the Blue League to get that settled. Uh, The first match, Claudio Castagnoli versus Brian Danielson. Talk about a way to start the show, first of all. Um, These two guys... Um, they were, you had Brian Danielson, who was one of the other, like one of the cup, one mass wrestler, one wrestler who had nine points was looking to try to get to 12 to really secure himself to be number one, uh, in this in, in, in the blue league. And then you had Claudio, he had six points coming into this match. These guys, these BCC members beat the hell out of each other and were the first only match in the Continental Classic to go the time limit draw. They were the only matches, they were the only match that went the full 20 minutes. So we had a draw, Claudio and Brian Danielson each getting one point, Brian Danielson finishing with 10 points, securing the number one spot because he was able to get a point. If he didn't get a point, he would have been in trouble with it being tied. So he at least secured first place in the Blue League. Claudio was able to secure a point, uh, and he just needed uh, something. He needed to hope that some things happened uh, in this match, in this night. He needed a loss from Andrade, and he needed a loss from Eddie Kingston, which was not possible because they were facing each other. So he was in very much trouble with this one. So, uh, But a damn good match from Claudio. He needed to win in order to be able to keep pace. They settled with a draw. These two BCC members know each other so well. I mean, it was it was spectacular though. So that yeah, they are one of the more unique American factions ever. Because if you look at their group, the whole thing is that they spend every day at the dojo beating the shit out of each other. That's their gimmick. 
the, the fact they will fight each other. They fight each other every day. They train each other every day. They beat the shit out of Willis Shooter Utah every day. That was that's been the Blackpool Combat Club since the beginning, right? So nothing is more logical than Brian Danielson and Claudio just going at each other and not being a concern because literally this is every day. And nothing makes more sense than them knowing each other so well that neither one of them can beat each other. And I got to give a shout out to the king of the draw, the AEW's draw world champion, Brian Danielson. Like, think about this, right? Nobody else has more than one draw in AEW history. Brian Danielson Honestly. has three. Yeah. <laughs> he's hanging in the draws. Yeah, he's Hangman's only draw. He's Kenny Omega's only draw. And now he's Claudio's only draw. This dude's the king of the draw. And they are the most in, most entertaining fucking draws ever. Hangman, I think, was an hour. Kenny was 30. This was 20. This dude is like, literally, I can't even, like, I don't even know if this is a compliment. That dude is the best wrestler at not having a finish in the world. It's honestly kind of nutty how, like, that's kind of almost sort of, not his calling card, but something he's become known. Yeah, it's like, oh, dude, dude could have a draw, but it's going to be the most fucking entertaining draw you've ever seen in your life. Like, so, yeah, shout out to them. And it made sense. It made sense that two teammates that train together, that beat the shit out of each other every day, are going to let, I mean, it's not going to end in in, in, in 20 minutes. And Claudio's frustrated. He even got so frustrated he went after the eye. Something that he got so pissed at Andrade for that he hit him in the nuts. Because Andrade can't go after the eye. Claudio can because he's his friend. He can do whatever he takes. They understand that. So... This whole, the whole big brother aspect uh, of it. It's just like, man, I can fuck with my people, but you can't. I love it. Yeah, for sure. And again, unbelievable match to start off the show. We then have a trios championship match between the acclaimed and top flight. Um, It was a fun enough match, but there was a point also where uh, top flight, they were honestly doing some good damage to Anthony Bowens, but in the middle of the ring, uh, Ashton Andretti is uh, rolled up in in the match, and there was even a point where Max actually grabbed the tights and was able to get the win for the acclaim to retain. Um, so, are we seeing the acclaim turned heel? Like, not turned heel right now, but are they are they starting to lean? I mean, there's this idea you're seeing a lot more tweeners in AEW. Moxley is the best example of it like that dude bites you and i got i gouges you in the match he does whatever it takes to win <coughs> claudio with andrade whatever it takes to win so you're seeing it and it's like max is like the most important thing to me is keeping my title you know i you know friendships they're great and all that stuff but i wanted to keep my belt so did he he got a little desperate and he did what he had to do so i completely understood it and maybe maybe it's a situation where Bowens and Billy <coughs> aren't so much leaning, but Max is like, you know what? To survive in this place, you got to be willing to do what it takes. Right. Yeah. It's very possible. He might just be like, you know what? We just got to do what we got to do. I would. Um, I would have kind of like top flight and uh, action and ready to win. I just think they uh, would just like 
that's their kind of that kind of team is what the trios division need to be right now. Oh yeah, like a high high flying. You start off the show, get everybody pumped up with them. So I thought they would be great, uh, but you know can't go wrong with the claim because you know what everyone loves the claim. There we go. Uh, uh, Hook then accepted the uh, FTW Championship match at World's End with for with Wheeler Yuta. They will be fighting for the FTW Championship under FTW rules. Uh, we then had a quick match between Keith Lee and uh, the machine Brian Cage. Uh, Keith Lee is able to get the victory. So a big meaty man snap and meat match real quick to break things up. And then Keith Lee says almost exactly a year ago, someone took me out for almost two months with a cinder block. And it's proceeds. I've been trying to send a message to him, but he's not listening. So I'm going to make my message clear at Dynamite. I've got a house to tear down, and I'm going to do it brick by brick. So, finally, Keith Lee is looking to get revenge on Swerve Strickland. Yeah, uh, a lot of people going to say what took so long. Uh, wrestling. And <laughs> it's just wrestling. I hate to say it like that. Uh, I hate to say it like that, like wrestling. You know, it's uh, like sometimes... You know, the feud in the time that you're working just doesn't work out at that point. So you got to, you know, you got to push it off. And it just seems like Swerve is about to be done with the thing. Maybe he's about to be the Triple Crown champion. You don't know what's about to go there. But, uh, you know, he needs needs something to keep him going, especially if he's going to win the world title or whatever he's going to do. So, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I think they're going to kill it. Yeah, no, it's going to be a damn good match. Uh, like I said, these guys were spectacular, so it was genuinely awesome to see. Like, I wanted to see what the fallout would be because they were great together as a team, honestly. And you, I just wanted to see how they worked off each other, but we never got to see it. So I am glad that we are finally getting to uh, have this feud blow off. Uh, took a while, but we are getting it at the very least. Uh, we then had Timeless Tony Storm getting interviewed as Mariah May and Luther were there, and she was asked about her match with Rio. And, uh, again, she completely uh, acted like uh, she had never met Mariah May, and May had talked about how my wrestler's license had been approved, and she's medically cleared and good to go in AEW, and still uh, she was asked by Renee, do you know when you're going to debut? And she said very soon, and... Uh, Miss Storm, do you have any advice? And she, Tony Storm goes, I wasn't listening. Riho, you are very small and very light. Uh, winter is coming. I have no problem packing it in for a new role. You will have no, leave me no choice but to gobble you up. Uh, and again, there's even a point where Renee actually watched for the shoe. Mariah May did not. Uh, so that was a nice little funny t- touch of, you know, she's gotten used to dealing with uh, Tony Storm, so she is watching for the shoe, actually. Uh, but again, uh, dear Stan Slim, I wrote you, but you still ain't calling. That's what Mariah May is being right now. Absolutely. Mickey James and Trish Stratus, this is all going to go well. Yeah. But, but yeah. Moving on, we have the promo that people are talking a lot about. Christian Cage and Nick Wayne come down to the ring, and they uh, talked about they're going to explain things. And why did Nick Wayne's mom smash Adam Copeland in the head with, t- with my title? I could explain it myself, but she can do it herself. 
So she brings out Shane. He brings out Shane Wayne, and Shane Wayne talks about how dare you boo me a mother? I did what I did to Adam Copeland because Nick Wayne is my son, my baby boy, my pride and joy. And I watched Adam Copeland smash a steel chair into his head. And you wonder why I made that choice. I did what any loving mother would do. I protected my son. And he, she continued to say that and said, the only person that loves and cares for my son as much as I do is the patriarch Christian Cage. And he talked about how Copeland is a piece of crap. Shayna worked as a waitress trying to put food on uh, her plate and make her son's dream come true. And then you took that dream away, Copeland. And now, Copeland, you grew up with a single mother. You should have known better. I wish your mother was still alive so I could watch your mother disown you. Fucking hell, Christian. And then he talked about how you never were able to harness your anger. Because I scored that night. And then I scored when I walked out with Mother Wayne. And uh, he said... I, when you challenged me at World's End for the no DQ match, I accept it, but I will not accept it because you are no challenger. Uh, I already beat you, and I am levels above you. I stand in the mountain at top of this very sport, and I'm going to take you out behind the shed and put you down for the last time. So, yeah. Like, first of all, Christian is, like, on another level of despicable. Shayna was an interesting promo to say the least. Um, and again, the short memory loss for a lot of these heel turns is quite spectacular because I remember when uh, Nick Wayne literally disowned Shayna in front of her eyes thanks to Christian. And we now all of a sudden, we, we good. Because Edge, Edge Kinchar told her son. I mean, that's a t- that's a heel turning moment right there. It is a heel turning moment. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, hey, you know what? Hey, we're good, we're good. I don't like the way you're going. I don't like the influence Christians on you. But he didn't try to kill you. <laughs> no, it's tried to take him out. That 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 will change a person's mind, you know. So. I, as a person that grew up on soap operas, that just felt like a very soap opera moment. It was awesome. Christian is on another level. I mean, honestly, if we did the AEW awards like we used to, he'd be our wrestler of the year or performer of the year would be probably what I would call it. Christian, yeah, that was. Uh, I I was gonna say he was he was up there for me. Yeah. Yeah, he is just rare. Like everything he touches is like done well even when i wasn't really i was having my moments with aw wasn't where every week wasn't what i wanted it to be dude the christian segment would be something i'd watch two or three times because he's just so good at being an asshole it's like i know i think i know eventually we're going to get edging christian in a tag team and everybody's going to cheer but right now i don't want it i'm not even close to wanting it I like I like asshole Christian. I don't want him to lose to Adam Copeland at a uh, World's End. Don't it? I just want more asshole Christian. He's doing so good. I just want more, and nothing like he says it and does it in a way that you don't want to hear it. It is terrible. It's it is not like oh man he's the cool bad guy. No, he is the terrible bad guy. If Christian oh, unmasked yeah. and was the devil, I would not be shocked. I'd be like yeah that's perfect. 
because Christian is literally playing the devil right now. Yeah, no question. He's like, <laughs> and he's collecting like if, demons. If Christian, you know? if Christian was the devil, it wouldn't be a surprise because I mean, he actually is a devil. Yeah, he is the devil. I'm like the dude that plays the devil is gonna have to be twenty times worse than Christian, and I don't know how that's possible. Yes, <laughs> I like I don't know how that's possible because Christian is just despicable right now. It's like, oh my god, he, he, he yes, you want to use old timey bad guy words on him? He's a fiend. And I don't mean it in the Bray Wyatt feed. I mean, like, how they used it back in the day. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, moving on, we had uh, Big Bill and Ricky Starks uh, talk about uh, Kenny Omega no longer being in the match and said, Big Bill basically said, you have diverticulitis. That sounds made up. Big Bill, you literally had actual moments where you were, like, suffering as well. Dude, no. Fake. No, he said, my Uncle Joe had gingivitis, and he's okay. I died. I howled at that. That was hilarious to me. Yeah, Big Bill, I was just like, you don't know what that is. Yes, I don't know, what, don't it know is. what that is. Yes, I don't know what that is. No, I mean, most people don't know what diverticulitis is. Like, I knew Brock had it. But JR actually explained to me exactly what it was. And, and it's and, fucked up. And it, yeah, it's pretty fucked up. You know, like. But yeah, I had no idea exactly what it was. I knew it was a stomach thing. And I knew Brock had to, like, had a really bad case. And he had to have some colon removed or whatever. But oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I really didn't know what it was. Yeah. But. Starks then proceeded to say, you don't have the guts to face us, Kenny, and you guys forfeit your match at World's End, and then Chris Jericho said, basically... When he said, you uh, don't have the guts, Ricky Starks, like, almost laughed. It was so funny. He almost yeah. He almost broke. He genuinely almost broke, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Jericho basically said, I don't know who my partner's going to be, but I'm going to find somebody who's going to help me take those tag titles away from you. And he says, that is the absolute truth. In other news, Kota Ibushi was not at a, uh, uh, I forgot what group it was, so I'm sorry for the lack of detail, but he was not in Japan because they said he was traveling to America. Just throwing that out there, that might not mean just anything. Say no, just say no, uh, might be a possibility. Yeah, like, I'm just throwing it out there. It might not mean no, anything. No, it might not be anything, but it yes. probably means something. Yes, yes. Probably means a lot. Probably means a lot, yes. Uh, moving on, we get into one of the the second Blue League match from tonight. Uh, Daniel Garcia versus Brody King. And going into this match, Brody King had six points. Daniel Garcia had zero. So he was one of the other people that needed to win in order to avoid being winless in the Continental Classic. And then Brody King uh, needed to win this match in order to try to work his way into being uh, facing Brian Danielson. He needed to win this match, basically. Uh, and after, there's a point where basically Brody, like, spikes uh, Daniel Garcia uh, with a powerbomb, and he still is able to kick out. Uh, and regardless of, there's a point where, like, Brody King beat the hell out of him, uh, and even, at, like, brought up, like, Daniel Garcia, shot me, go ahead. And then he was fighting his ass off, and then he even hit a suplex. But then uh, Brody proceeded to just throw him all over the place. Uh, as Brody picked up Garcia, he's not even—he's basically limp. 
But then eventually Daniel Garcia, jackknife powerbomb, arch pin, Daniel Garcia steals the win. And plays spoiler, basically, for Brody King. Daniel Garcia is able to get a point on the board. And Brody King, all of a sudden, is out of the running for the Blue League Finals. He needed this win in order to keep pace, but he did not get it. Uh, And then the lights go out. And when they come back on, Malachi Black and Buddy Matthews are there, and they have Garcia held up. Daddy Magic, who was on commentary, jumps in to try to save him. Buddy boots him in the face. And then they had Brody Brody grab his fingers, and then he's trying to break his fingers, basically, so he can't raise his fist up and dance anymore. FTR come out and chase him. And Dax is like, I'm tired of these fairy tales, these magic tricks that you guys are pulling. You want us to be in your family. I'll be your tequila drinking uncle that whoops everybody's ass. I want it. We want it. First time ever. FTR versus House of Black. Now I have to ask, Floyd. What members of House of Black are we getting uh, for FTR versus uh, House of Black? Uh, If you remember... A month or a couple months ago where every there was a big hubbub of Malachi Black not working singles matches. And I was like, I'm not worried about Malachi Black working singles matches. I want FTR versus Kings of the Black Throw. That's that's been my thing. Kings of the Black Throw. Malachi, I was gonna say it's gotta be Kings of the Black Throw. Malachi Black and Brody uh King. That's who I wanted to be. That's who I've wanted to be since uh since pretty much uh, Brody Aligned with uh, Malachi, that has been like the match I've wanted. I think it, they will kill it, and you know the the clear size differential that uh, uh, Kings of the Black Throne would have over FTR that will make it for a different type of match. Because uh, you know FTR would be extremely undersized against them, and I would look forward to it. But one of my favorite people to watch in the ring. I'm not I'm not gonna say he's like my favorite overall wrestler, but one of my favorite people to watch in the rings is Buddy Matthews. So I do think Buddy Matthews, Malachi, and FTR would put on an amazing match. But yeah. if you're talking about the match I've been building for months, been putting out in the air, you can ask you can ask uh, my good friend Jackie. I threw this out to her. I want a Kings of the Black Thorn versus FTR. I've I've that's been my match. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Yeah. I regardless, I'm so hyped to see this finish out. Um we then had TBS champion Julia Hart team up with Sky Blue to face Thunder Rosa in her first collision match since the show was created. She'd been in the advertisement the entire time. This is her first match back from injury. Great to see her back and she teamed with Abaddon Yes, I'm not saying Thunder Rosa has ever looked out of shape, ever, but she looked like she was, like, in amazing shape. Yes. Her gear was, like, you could tell it was, like, new, and, you know, it looks like she tried a little something different. Everybody in this match looked amazing. It looks like, you know, Sky Blue went all in on what everyone loves. And, oh uh, my god, dude. People uh, are dying right now. Yeah, like there there are men falling over themselves right now. Yeah, so she went all in. Hey, more power to you. Get over. That's the whole point in wrestling. Get over. So uh no, this match was amazing. Uh I mean as far as when I when I say amazing, it was like 
that build up to Thunder Rosa getting the tag. Oh my God! Every you know, people in San Antonio were standing up, and it was just perfect. It was done well done as far as now the finisher. I can't tell what they were going for there. Yeah, that was a bit. Uh, that was that was interesting for sure. Um, um, it's something. It's called a bomb. She's like Tijuana like, bomb. Uh, I think Tijuana is what it's bomb. Called. But yeah, I really couldn't tell exactly what the move was supposed to do. It was landing on her head, and she lost. Don't get me wrong. But I thought that was cool. I thought we would have seen more of a formal sky blue being with Julia Hart thing, but they just seem kind of like they're aligned right now. So that's cool. Yes. Uh, I I love the uh, use of Abaddon. I am. I, I know there's some people out there, the hardcore wrestling fans, that probably don't like her character. I love the zombie. I I you know I uh, watched wrestling for thirty years with a dead guy basically being unstoppable. So. I have no problem with a dead woman being, you know, being that. So I really, I really did enjoy this match. I thought it was very fun. I will say, no, and I will say, like, I'm excited just because of the fact that, you know, she's actively, you know, she's, she's getting a TBS championship match uh, with, at I mean, World's uh, End, yeah. at World's End. So, like, this is huge stuff. This is the biggest match for Abaddon. And I want to see what she does on a big match stage before I like actively because like I hadn't seen her do much other than a couple dynamite matches, but mostly stuff on dark and maybe rampage. So I want to see how how she does on a really big stage before I really like kind of have my full thoughts. I think Julia Sky Blue as a team like slow roll out with this but people are already buying into it and i think people are already really liking it these two together seem like they can produce a lot of great moments uh and it's just great to see thunder rosa back i genuinely missed her so much i thought there was a hole with her gone in the uh women's division and like her being gone and then with the combination of her and then jamie Hayter leaving two massive blows that that women's division like it took a big hit because of that. Um, hopefully we get uh, Jamie Hayter back eventually. But having Thunder Rosa back. And again, she's been in the collision advertisement since the show was created. And we haven't seen her wrestle since. So seeing that, was just hap- it just made me happy to see. She looks great. She seems like she's happy. And I'm happy to see that she's back in the ring. Um, and I'm excited like to see what more she does. So, yeah. But... Thunder Rosa gets the Tijuana bomb, pin Sky Blue. She gets her win with Abaddon, and Abaddon is moving towards the TBS Championship match with Julia Hart. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week when we do our World's End preview. Yeah, uh, I think that's gonna uh, that's gonna be a good match. And like I said, over the next few weeks, I'm hoping to see a little more of the Sky Blue Julia, like almost being formally introduced, and maybe add a third member. You know, I, I yeah. just think I think you know three. You can need at least three. To make it work. And, you know, the House of Black, the guys have three. You know, if they're doing Julia's Hart's version of that, you know, she needs to have three women. Yep. Uh, we then have the finals of the the final match of the Blue League. You have Andrade El Idolo versus the Ring of Honor World Champion in New Japan Openweight Champion Eddie Kingston. Now, going into this match, we had Andrade who had uh, nine points, and we had Eddie Kingston, who had six. So, 
uh, we, I mean, sorry, yeah, yeah, Eddie Kingston had uh, six points. So, Eddie Kingston needed to win. He needed to win in order to get uh, the Blue League to confirm that. And he did just that. And Eddie Kingston, he's worked the comeback perfectly like he did. Started out 0-2, falling apart, and he has just proceeded to fire his way back into this. And with him beating Andrade, he is all good to go, and he is in for the finals of the Blue League. Uh, and it's it's just huge. It's absolutely huge that he's got that. And Brian Danielson already has a win over him, so now Eddie has to try to do what he couldn't do in the early parts of this tournament, and that's beat Brian Danielson. And the promo he cut when the show went off the air was insane, and Danielson was feeding right into it with him calling him a bum, laughing at him, turning his back to him while Eddie's just going off on him. Like, again, these two finals matches for New Year's Smash is going to be insane. Dude, like, and, I am so, so excited for those two matches. Like Eddie Kingston and Andrade, I, I definitely want to see them in a longer form match. They, they are very physical, and it worked really well together. And I just think in a longer form. Now, I don't know who's going to win the finals, but good Lord. If you're looking at the finals and you look at what that means, the three titles that they're going to have, right? And yep. it's like you have a whole C2 full of challengers. Now, I don't like, now I don't want to like, I don't want Andrade to go away. Now, I don't want, you know, I don't want Brody King, all these people in this tournament use it to feature them and to uh, feature them and have them in matches for the year next year. Uh, use them to challenge for the C2. Uh, I think there's been a lack of challengers for the uh, international title. Use them for that. Use them for everything because man, these, all these, all 10 of these guys, or was it 12? All 12 of these guys through one thing, put them in a match, give them time. They're going to entertain you. All 12. Yes. All 12. No, and they, and, they, and they've all done that, too, like in this entire tournament. So, like I said, going into New Year's Smash, which is I'm highly anticipating how all of this closes out. So, um, big closing win for Eddie Kingston. I think it's tied it in perfectly. And Danielson just, you know, he's still vicious. He's still dangerous. So, it's going to be very interesting to see who comes out of each one of these leagues and what the match at World's End is going to be. So, yeah, that's, I think that's going to do it for Collision. Um, so looking forward to this upcoming Dynamite. Like I said, you have the Blue League and the Gold League final. So on the Blue League, you've got Eddie Kingston versus Brian Danielson. On the Gold League, you've got John Moxley versus Swerve Strickland versus Jay White. So tons of matches to look forward to. Um, and then in term, like with just those two matches. Um, do we have confirmation of any other matches on Dynamite to look forward to? Literally clicking on the link right now because I don't think so. I don't because, uh, like I said, I don't uh, think no, we the even Samoa Joe. We got the Samoa Joe and uh, MJF and, versus, and MJF versus, versus the, the Devils. The, the Devils Mask Men is what they're called on the show. They're the goons. Yeah, they're goons. But yeah, uh, and it's funny because. If you don't, because of the internet and because of everybody breaking down movements and everything like that, 
if you don't want it to be known who the guys are, if they're not going to get unmasked or something during the match, they pretty much have to learn how to work completely opposite of how they work. Yes. Because, I mean, honestly, I think I think they're going to unveil. I think the two people that, uh, that end up are going to end up being unveiled. But it's just when you look at it, right, it's just like, and when you look at it, it's like, you have to do something because in this world of the internet and freeze framing and video editing, people are going to know exactly who it is the moment they move. Yeah, no, exactly. They're going to like <laughs> cycle and not analyze everything. Yes. Cause people do not like to be surprised anymore. Like, no, no they want to no. figure it out before everybody. Yeah. How dare you sure. work me? <laughs> how dare you? How dare you do what you're supposed to do? as wrestlers? <laughs> yes. How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. Also, and again, like I said, uh, if you haven't seen the promos cut uh, on social media uh, after the Continental Classic matches, uh, watch them. Like, Moxley cut his promo after Dynamite. Oh, God, brilliant. Social media. Dude, brilliant. they're so good. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Mox will never be my favorite. I, I mean, uh, his character, the whole regular guy character thing, you know, just a badass now, doesn't really naturally appeal to me, but I will never deny how good he is at everything that he does. Oh yeah, he again. Like said, he's not I, my favorite, but he's just good. He's as, just really, really good. As I was talking about, someone that understands their character. Oh, this he understands it, and he never steps outside of it. You never like, oh, that's weird. Oh, why would he say that? No, everything fits who Mox is as a wrestler. He understands it. I understand why he has such a fan base because it so comes off. It's so authentic, so pure, and so pissed off all the time. So, yeah, shout out to Mox. He did a really good job on this one, too. Yeah, shout out. And uh, one last piece of news that we have to announce is the fact that Katsuyori Shibata is officially all elite. It was announced uh was it today or yesterday that it was announced? Uh, it was announced today. Earlier today. Yeah, it was earlier. announced today by Tony Khan. The 23rd uh, by today. I even know you won't be listening to this until the 24th. Yep, exactly. But Shibata is all elite. Genuinely awesome. We talked about how Shibata just like, you know, his little like uh, Google Translate things he did on the pressers after Forbidden Door and everything like that. I mean, he's just become revived with how AEW has used him. Um, so it's great to see that he's officially all elite. And New Japan gave him permission, so there's no like fallout there. Apparently, no. he asked New Japan permission, and he had to sign a contract with AEW. And I also want to say, the only thing that I'm annoyed at is that he got his banner before me, whereas my Floyd is all elite banner. I, I deserve that after being on TV. You know, yes. yes. No, just kidding. But no, shout <laughs> out Shibata is one of those people. I I literally. I had only got to see him wrestle a few times before the massive injury. And I honestly didn't think I was ever going to get to see him wrestle. And there's this time and he's very talented, very entertaining, uh, very good at what he does. And I've always liked his look. I've always liked just, he's just a really good wrestler. That's his whole thing. He's just a really good wrestler. And uh, yeah, I've always liked that about him. So I, I, what he was bringing to the pure title in ROH, I think he could definitely continue to do that. He also trains so he can help some of the younger wrestlers with their performance. There is no reason why not to have Shibata on the AEW roster. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a thousand percent like so cool to see. I can't wait to see what else uh, Shibata does in AEW. So, um, so it's great to have him. Yeah, and I know I pitched this with Pay uh, Soraya early, but I kind of pitch it with Shibata too. Give him some young guys, you know, like Shibata's kids, and he's making them better. You know what I mean? Some people that are kind of directionless right now. Big one for me is Lee Johnson. I don't know what they got planned for him, but I think he has a look. I think there's a lot of ability there. I feel like there's something missing. So, yeah, like Shibata with a person like that or just like I'm talking about on TV. I'm not talking about backstage. They'll handle the training the best way they could do. It's just using Shibata as a way to introduce other characters would be good. Oh, yeah. It would be very, very cool to see. But um, other than that, I believe that's all we have for uh, for news and uh, everything in all things elite uh, this week. Dude, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah, uh, so, guys, I think we're going to call it on this episode of All Things Elite. It is officially on my coast. Uh, it is Christmas Eve, and I am want to wish everybody who listens to this show a very happy holidays, very Merry Christmas, no matter what you celebrate, just happy holidays. Um, I've enjoyed doing the show this year. It's been tough to keep up with it with work, but it's been gratifying every single time i get to jump on talk wrestling with floyd talk AEW with floyd um dude is one of my closest friends uh and i love doing the show for y'all it's been a blast uh and i love being like a little bit of the snarky uh chaotic little bit less negative on the show that preaches positive positivity i i feel like i am a bit of a yang to uh his Floyd's yin so we we definitely try to keep it positive but I love just trying to you know change things up every once in a while I love that Floyd allows me the opportunity to just be myself on this show so uh guys hope you have an amazing holiday again thank you so much for listening to this episode of all things elite and sticking with us uh rate review subscribe all the nine yards whether you listen to us on google or apple Podcasts or spotify share us around it helps out a ton Follow us on Twitter at AT Elite Pod, at Social Suplex. Those guys make this show possible and have a bunch of great shows you should check out. I am at Austin Summel. It's S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And I will go ahead and pass it off to my good friend on this holiday edition of All Things Elite so he can take us home. Again, Merry Christmas, y'all. Yes, Merry Christmas uh, to all of you, and I uh, thank you for all of any time that you've, again, I say it all the time, but anytime you've listened to a moment, a second, downloaded, shared, anything you've done on the show, I really appreciate you listening to us. Um, (coughs) Forgive all the the actual, the other sports talk at the beginning of the show, please, but I just want to let you know, I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas. I hope everybody gets what they want. I hope everybody, uh, you know, has a place to eat and, you know, and and lights and all that kind of stuff that we take for granted every day. Um, uh, Winter's here. It's it's not coming anymore. Winter is here. So stay warm. Stay out there. uh, Let you all know I love you. Uh, I got my Christmas present, Oklahoma City, having AEW, and then uh, at the show, it was announced that uh, they're coming back to Tulsa in uh, February. So I get to you know, another show in my state. Uh, but through this five years, because honestly, by the next time we have a show, it'll be almost the five-year anniversary of AEW. But through this five years, it has been my absolute privilege and honor 
to talk about AEW and the wrestlers that do what they do and they do it so amazingly well and that they put on my favorite product every week and even on the thing that has only made this place sweeter is how closer me and Austin have got through doing the show every week and I, I just love that and I like I mean you know I want the show to go on forever but you know it's like right now I couldn't even imagine doing the show with anyone else. So I uh, thank you and I appreciate you and Sydney and your family and how much, how uh, how well y'all treat me and how good you are to me and to everyone that listens. Just shout out, shout out to Jackie. I, I, I can't ever go a show without uh, shouting out Jackie. She listens to like every show and she's always uh, talking to me and she is the light of this world. If you meet a better person uh, I don't think a better person than Jackie exists. I will say that. I, I, I can say that. I'm like, it might be as good, but no one's better. She is fucking awesome. And so I'm going to stop rambling now. Uh, make sure you watch Love Actually. Uh, Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. Merry Christmas. And you all have a happy new year. And in honor of Kenny Omega, goodbye and good night. Bang! <laughs>